Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. We're going to come today and we're going to give a reflection on Christmas. Uh, seems appropriate this time of the year to do that. Uh, we, um, family of six, my wife and I, Laurel, and our four kids, Bree, Chels, Scabs and Elliot, uh, loved our mealtimes together. Um, we'd just have lots of chat, lots of banter, lots of storytelling, lots of perhaps stretch stories as well sometimes around the meal table. But lots of hearing what's happened through the day, whether uh, preschoolers or primary school or secondary, even now. We don't quite get together as much around the meal table, but still there's lots of discussion about what takes place. Reflecting back and seeing Elliot sitting in a high chair. I should have had a picture of that, shouldn't I? That would look good. Well, what we used to do sometimes, though, was this. We used to play the silence game occasionally around our dinner table during mealtimes. As I said, we loved the chatter and the banter. We thought, well, can we just throw a challenge out there? Can we be silent? Boy, that was hard. Well, not for Laurel and I, but for the others, it was really hard for them to be silent. They were just busting to say something. Sometimes that silence was golden, just for those few moments we can savour the food going in. But not all silence is golden. Very often silence is deafening. Silence can be torturous. Uh, We were down at Port Arthur a few years ago and uh, think about the convict prisoners there. Uh, Their greatest punishment was being in absolute silence for weeks and months on end. We actually went to a chapel where they did chapel for the prisoners and they would be marched in individually and they would stand in a single cubicle so they couldn't see the person next to them and they had to be in complete silence the whole time. Then they were taken out one by one back to their um, prison cells And just dealing with their own thoughts in silence was excruciating for those prisoners. Silence is a very difficult thing. God was silent with his people for a period of time. Then at Christmas, God broke the silence. Come with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin to read from verse 67 as we think about this silence that uh, God broke at Christmas. Starting in verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God." whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Lord, we thank you that we can gather together today on Christmas Eve 
Uh, God, I pray now let your spirit work in our hearts through this inspired word, through this prophetic utterance, through this prophecy that Zechariah has given to us. Your words, Lord, perhaps the first words you spoke in 400 years. Uh, May we begin to see what a glorious occasion that Zechariah is leading us to. We ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the Christmas season, we have what is known as Advent season. Now, Advent usually is three or four days before Christmas, uh, three or four, not three or four days, three or four Sundays before Christmas, and can be sort of 20 plus days long on our calendar. What is Advent? Some of you might know, but it's not really a major thing, pretty big in the States, but not super big here, but what is Advent? Advent is the waiting or the, for the arrival of someone special. And no, we're not waiting for Santa. Okay, just in case you're there, is he the special guy? No, we're not going to throw Santa under the bus here, but this is not actually about Santa. Even though when you think about the social media profiling he gets around the place, you think it might be about him, not about Santa as we're waiting. Advent is about waiting for the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Advent is the counting down on the calendar here for us to commemorate and celebrate the coming of God into the world that he has created. Now, waiting is a challenging thing to do for us here in this world. We live in a world here that prizes or sort of highlights instant gratification or we want instant action. You want to click and then you want to collect. You want to get it and sometimes you can actually, they promise you online if you order today, you'll get it within seven days and if you pay extra, we'll express post and you'll get it within two or three days. We sort of like this instant sort of thing happening for us in the world, in the world we live in. But we find Israel here in this particular passage waiting, waiting in silence. And here's where we're going to go today as we think about this. Uh, God has broken the silence The waiting is over. He has sent his son to be the light that dispels the darkness of sin and sadness in our lives as the Christ child comes into the world. So where's Israel? Israel at this point is waiting for the Messiah. It's promised in the scriptures. But they're waiting in silence at this particular time. And what do I mean by that? Well, from the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, to the coming of Jesus... There's 400 years of nothing. Silence. Now you might have your Bible there and you flick over from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you see this blank white page and you sort of just skip to the New Testament. Well, that blank page is 400 years of time there. Up until that time, uh, as the end of Malachi, God had regularly sent his prophets or messengers to speak his words to Israel. But now for four long centuries... They didn't hear a thing from God. Not a peep, not a squeak, not a word. They had all sorts of promises leading up to that point in time through the Lord's prophets that a Messiah was coming, that someone was coming, someone special was coming to redeem them, to actually relieve them of oppression. But now they've heard nothing for 400 years. Can you imagine that with us today? Can you imagine if we received our last message here in Australia about something super important And that message came to us last in 1623, and then since then, nothing. 
Now, you're going to have to pretend, because Australia wasn't actually discovered in 1623, um, 1788 or 1770, get my history right, but we're told that something very important, just say 400 years ago, is someone's going to come and rescue us and save us from our oppressors. Countless generations have come and they have gone, one after the other, after another, after another, and we've heard nothing, nothing but silence. We probably would just give up, wouldn't you? Yeah, I heard, we, well, we heard about something 400 years ago, but nothing since. Maybe they've just forgotten us. Well, this is where Israel is at this particular time. 400 years of silence, and they're ruled by these foreign oppressors who are crushing their culture and their way of life. Roman occupation at this particular time, leading up to the birth of Christ, is bleeding them dry. It's crushing their economy with unbelievable taxes. We thought taxes were bad today. That was absolutely killing them back then and enforcing their rule with these ruthless, cruel tyrants dominating the land of Israel at that particular time. And they're also waiting in silence. Silence is a killer, isn't it? It's a real killer. Talking to a friend of mine the other week who, uh, who's lost his wife recently. She died after a very long battle of dementia. And I asked him, he said, what's the worst thing that you've been experiencing so far? And he, he told me, this is the worst thing I experienced. He said, it's going to bed at night and beginning to shut down the house. So lock the front door, lock the back door, check some of the windows and start turning the lights off one by one by one by one. Until he gets to the last light in his bedroom and he turns it off. And he said, the moment I did that, he said, I could feel this cold silence begin to grip me as he turned that last light off in the house all on his own. He said that cold silence that seemed to envelop him was the worst thing he felt since losing his wife. Silence. In some ways, there's a lot of silence in this world where we live. Over the past few years, we've had what's called the loneliness epidemic that has gone off the scales over the last few years. It's rolled over the world and captured so many people. People suffering in silence, going back to empty homes, overcome by loneliness. And sometimes they're not going back to empty homes, they're still even overcome by loneliness in that particular way. Sometimes Christmas can be some of the most difficult times of silence that people have to deal with or endure. For some people, they dread Christmas Day and can't wait for the season somewhat to be over because of the silence. There's also the crushing feeling of silence in this world when we feel lost and disillusioned about life. We may be physically well, physically capable of doing all the things we need to do, but when we think about life and where it's going and who am I, we can feel lost. We can't see any direction. We can't see any purpose. And we ask ourselves, what is this all about? When it's like that and we have those questions that we're ringing around in our heads and bouncing around all four, four corners of our brain, we have to deal with this silence. And that is, I've got no answers. That, be- that becomes a silence that's hard to deal with. And that sort of silence, when I haven't got the answers for more, the big questions of life, produces a despair and a darkness that comes over us because of this silence. Waiting in silence is a really, really hard place to be in. That sets the scene here of what's happened between um, 
Malachi and Luke here in the life of Jesus. Let's step into the passage here and begin to think about what's taking place for these events now that leads into uh, where God's about to break the silence for the first time in 400 years. Some things have begun to stir around Jerusalem at this time. Over the past few weeks, it appears like God is beginning to, as it were, open up and speak into this silence here in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah the priest has had an angel visit him when he's on his temple duties. He's the high priest for that particular time. And he goes in there and he's visited by an angel and he is told that he and Elizabeth will have a son, their first child in their old age. And they were quite elderly at this time. Zechariah is instructed by the angel, you are to call your son John. Because of his old age and because he knows that the biology of his wife is said, oh, I'm not sure this is going to happen, angel. Because of his lack of faith, he's struck dumb at that moment and he becomes silent and not able to communicate. That's taken place. Mary also. Mary, a virgin teenager betrothed to Joseph, is told that she's carrying the Messiah by another visit from the angel, which we saw that in that video there before. Mary could have been anything for, say, 14 to about 17, and she's told, you are carrying the long-awaited Messiah. Mary goes to visit her cousin, which is Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is pregnant, to celebrate the good news of this baby that is inside of Elizabeth. And as soon as Mary walks into the house here of Elizabeth, the baby inside the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy, and we're told there is filled with the Holy Spirit. God is certainly up to something here, as he begins to stir some things here around uh, Israel. Mary then breaks out, as Gabby read there before, she breaks out in this song of praise, the Magnificat we have, the praise for all that God is doing here as he's about to break the silence. God is moving. God is doing something here in these days. Elizabeth's baby is now born and there's great joy over this gift from the Lord with all of her relatives, all of her friends coming around to Elizabeth here to celebrate with her in her old age what a gift that God has given you. He's given you a son. And they come and they celebrate with that. And tradition would say that the baby must be called Zachariah because firstborn son will take up the, the father's name and carry that on. And Elizabeth says, no, he won't be called Zachariah. But he got to be called Zach. That's what we do. No, he won't be called Zachariah. He'll be called John. So they all look towards Zachariah himself, thinking, okay, he'll set the record straight, even though he can't talk. They hand him a writing board, and they said, what's it going to be, Zachariah? And he writes John. And the moment he writes John, Zachariah's silence is broken, and he's unable to speak. God is truly up to something here in the lead up to what's about to take place with the birth of Christ. The silence is breaking and the waiting is nearly over. Zechariah too was filled with the Holy Spirit. He burst out into a song. That was the first thing he did was sung with his new voice after nine months of being able not to sing with that voice. And he sings a prophetic song here filled with joy and praise. And this is probably, the scholars believe, God's first words in 400 years. Up until that time, the prophets were coming relatively regularly, not you know, every year or so, but relatively regularly, but then nothing. And then all of a sudden, God bursts out with this first song in 400 years. 
Here's what he says, have a look in verse 68, as uh, Zechariah bursts out with a song. He says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Blessed be God. Praise his name, Zechariah says. Why? Why? He has visited and he will redeem his people. The waiting is over and the silence is coming to an end. Zechariah bursts out in praise. He says, God hasn't forgotten us. Even though it's been 400 years, he may have been silent. He may not have said a thing. But all according to his perfect plan and purposes, he's now beginning to move right on time. Zechariah goes on in this prophetic song of joy and praise. He begins now to recount God's promises to Israel he had made over thousands of years. Have a look in verse 70. He's saying, hey, this is what took took place in the past, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Verse 72, verse 73. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. What's Zechariah doing? He's looking back. He's looking back at God's promises. Even though God has said nothing for 400 years, those promises have not gone away. He's looking back to this promise as rejoicing in God's faithfulness. This is what he said all these times. God did it. Look at what he done, says Zechariah. Straight from the mouth of the prophets, the promise to our fathers, and the oath of the covenant to Abraham. This is the faithfulness of God, Zechariah is proclaiming in praise now, that we are being shown, God's people, Israel, or us today, as we wait for this promise he's spoken. It's coming true, just as he promised. What is Christmas? Christmas is a time of God's promises that are fulfilled for us. We look back and we see them now lining up. He goes on. This breaking of the silence, this waiting for the promise, he says is like light dispelling the darkness. Have a quick look in verse 79 there. You'll see what he says. Darkness has broken over the land. We need to ask ourselves a question here. What is this darkness that Zechariah is prophesying about? What is this darkness here that Zechariah is talking about? Let's step that back to verse 69. We'll begin to see what this darkness is. Verse 69 says this. And God has raised up for God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. What has he raised up? A horn of salvation. Salvation. We are saved from something. God's raising up something to save us, something dark. To be sorry, to be saved from something dark. And then verse 77 begins to tell us what this darkness is that we are saved from by this horn of salvation. Go to verse 77. It says there, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. In what? In the forgiveness of their sins. This advent, this advent of waiting, this advent of waiting for someone special who will be a person to, who will save us from the darkness of our sins. That's our salvation. That's the light that's coming into this world. We are saved from the sin of turning our back on God because we've chosen to love and to treasure other things ahead of God. This is what we're being saved from. Directing our love and worship to other things and not to our creator. Whether we've loved a person, 
a career, a prized possession, could be a house, could be a car, could be a tractor, could be anything. Or whether you've had position or power as number one in your life, or you've loved your own popularity above anything else more than God. All of those things, if we've done that, will never ever be able to sustain us with true identity and true purpose in life if we give ourselves to those things. None of those things are wrong in themselves. They're all perfectly good and great, legitimate gifts that God gives to us, but they will never be able to sustain us as people. God's created us to love and to treasure him, to worship him as the very source of our lives. And that's where we find our true identity. That's where we find our true purpose. And ultimately our highest joy in discovering who God is and us as his creation. And the moment we take our eyes off him and put our eyes onto other things, like some of those things I mentioned, when we do that, we've sinned against God. We've sinned against our creator. And that's why we have this darkness and this despair in the world. Because we're trying to build our lives on something that will never keep us or sustain us. Let's read again about this salvation in verse 77, 79. We'll just see the flow here. Now, um, Zechariah is talking about his son John. And John, John is going to give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise... Think about that word for a moment there. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high... What's this sunrise going to do? To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Sunrise is really important there. We think about that is. Who is that sunrise who shall visit us here that we've spoken about? Well, actually, we need to go back to the book of Malachi, one of God's promises here, to see what this sunrise is. Malachi 4.2 says this, But for you who fear my name, for those who fear God and reverently love and serve him. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And when you get that, you shall go out leaping like the cows from the stall. Just like from James and Hannah's place when they leap out of those stalls. What's the picture here that we're given? Well, this is one of those promises of God for the one that is coming. The sun of righteousness. This is the advent that we are waiting for. The one coming, the Son of Righteousness, is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the sunrise that shall visit us. This is the child that Mary is carrying. The sunrise shall visit us from on high. What is God doing? God is sending his Son as the light who will dispel the darkness of our sin. Jesus defeats our sin. He starts in a cradle, but he ends at a cross. This light that Jesus brings is ultimately shone into our hearts through what he does on the cross 33 years later. By dying on that cross and bearing God's righteous judgment in our place. What does Jesus do this sunrise? He defeats sin and Satan. And he breaks the curse of brokenness over our lives. And he sets us free. God is sending his son. This sunrise shall visit us. As the light who will heal the hurt and sadness of our sin and brokenness. As as Dot read before, he's the light coming into the world. Jesus brings the light of joy and gladness. That we are loved by him. God hasn't abandoned us. 
and that nothing can separate us from this love that God has for us. Jesus also brings the light of hope into the middle of darkness. It's a hope that is sure. It's a hope that won't be shifted no matter how dark life gets or no matter how dark our circumstances might be. The light that Jesus brings, the hope that Jesus brings, bursts through all of those circumstances and keeps us true in him. See, this is the Christmas song that Zechariah sings for us in Luke 1. He can see what God has done. He can see that the silence has been broken, that the waiting is over. Now, here's one thing we can do in the middle of silence, because we still experience silence in this world. When it's dark and silent in our lives, we do what Zechariah does. We look back on the promises that God has made for us. We can look back now and say those promises have been completely fulfilled in Christ. What is the evidence of that? All of you gathering here with us today who are putting your trust in Jesus, that is the evidence of those promises fulfilled. He's still working, he's still rescuing, he's still shedding light into lives to lift us out of darkness and sadness. Silence is a killer. Waiting is hard. What silence are you dealing with today? What is that white noise that is rumbling around in your head that no one else can hear? There's a silence there. And when Christmas comes around, that silence seems to increase in volume. That silence gets louder. What is the darkness you're sitting in right now? Have you looked for a way out of this darkness and it just seems hopeless? No matter which way I turn, it just seems to get darker or more silent. Here's what God's promise is. His promise is delivered. It's delivered in Jesus Christ. His promise is sure. His promise is faithful. Christmas is God's divine word that breaks the silence in our lives. Christmas is God's divine light breaking through the darkness of our lives, the darkness of our minds, the darkness of our circumstances. Christmas is Jesus Christ, the Advent child, the one we've been waiting for, the one who's now come. And what does Jesus do? He breaks the silence by speaking a word of love and grace and truth to set us free. And only, only Jesus can speak true light, true hope into the silence and the darkness of our lives. You can grab whatever you like out of this world to sort of fill a bit of a void, fill a bit of a gap, but it won't last. It's only Christ who gives us what we need to heal that silence and to heal that darkness in our lives. He speaks a word of hope, a word of peace and a word of reconciliation for us. Christmas is all about Jesus dispelling this darkness and bringing this true light into our souls. A light that will never, ever go out. We don't have to walk around the house switching all the lights off. The light inside of us will never go out. It's an eternal light. 
after 400 years of silence, God came, God spoke, God delivered. And he still does the very same today. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this Christ who liberates us from the silence and the darkness? Please bow your heads with me right now. Maybe just something a little bit different. I've asked that question, do you know this Jesus? Do you know this Christ? Do you know this light? Do you know this word that breaks the silence? If you think that word's touched your heart today, I'd just love you to just raise your hand so I can acknowledge that. I'm the only person looking around. If you just want to raise your hand, I'm just going to acknowledge that. I'm going to pray for that. Beautiful. A number of hands have gone up. Let me pray. Father, what a song. What a song Zachariah sang today. Months out from the birth of Christ, but Lord, you began to move, you began to speak into hearts, you began to bring light into darkened minds and darkened understandings. And Father, there are some here today that are again feeling that darkness, feeling that silence, Lord. We know it's real, Lord. We know we live in a broken world. Christmas is a time of rejoicing. Christmas is a time of gladness. Because, Lord, you are bringing your light and you're bringing your word into that silence, into that darkness. So, Lord, for those who've raised their hand today to acknowledge that and others maybe who do want to acknowledge it and haven't put their hand up, God, I pray, please, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak into their hearts a word of love, a word of truth, a word of hope. For those, Lord, who are walking in darkness, we pray, Lord, would you bring a word of light that their eyes would begin to be opened up to see what a glorious Saviour we have. He's the only one who makes sense of this world. He's the only one who can enter into this world and heal this world. Let us, Lord, let us come alongside Zechariah now and sing a song, a song of rejoicing in the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that, we pray that now in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.